You're listening to the Mess and Mercy podcast with Katie Sanders, where you'll be inspired to grow in your walk with Jesus and live out your God-purposed life by faith and obedience. Now, here's your host, Katie Sanders. that I gave at a women's Christmas um, event here recently and it's a message that I want to share with everybody. I want your hearts to be open as you listen to the weight of this word. It's not a feel-good message, Um, but as we head into the Christmas season, one of the busiest seasons of the year, just want to be mindful of the things that I'm going to share with you guys. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Luke 2 7. The night before I was preparing for this event, I'd come out of a really dark, probably one of the darkest seasons I've been in with the Lord since I was saved in 2017. Um, and the day after. Me and the Lord kind of started on a fresh foot. The leader of the women's ministry at this church reached out to me and asked me if I would speak at this event. And I had so much to pour into it because it had been such a year. Um, And I didn't stress or worry about the message And I get ready to get everything written down and uh, open my prayer journal. And I mentally told myself, there's that prayer, that one prayer that started all of this. I need to go back to that. And it was dated October 26th of 2020. I've prioritized better behavior over a better heart. I want what I do to match who I am. I want to be good and not just dress like it. I do not want to be well behaved. I just want to be well. God help. Do everything or change nothing. Your will be done. Amen. This was the day that I extended or re-extended rather the invitation of sanctification over my heart. I had never gone on a fast before and I was fasting with some girls from work because I had some personal things going on. My mom had just relapsed um, from 
years and years of sobriety and um, I was trying to make some decisions with my kids. I was trying to make some big decisions with my job. And so I wrote this prayer down and I started this intimate time with the Lord. And five days later, the day that I stopped my fast, my mom died in a car accident after drinking and driving. I had to make room. And what what does that mean to to make room? I, I'm a, a very analytic person. I, I, I like assessments and, and words. And so I looked up make room. And Oxford Languages says make room is to move aside or to allow someone to enter or pass. Yourdictionary.com describes it this way. To rearrange or organize existing people, objects, belongings, to create space for something new. I don't know what your house might look like on any given Saturday morning, but Saturday morning at my house, after a Friday night at my house, is a little wild. It's a given on Fridays. We can assume that it's been a long week. It is pizza for dinner. There are always heated games of Uno, um, among us, not really sure what that is, but I can tell you that it involves a lot of running back and forth, particularly through my kitchen. And so there are things everywhere in my house. And so if you knock on my door early enough on Saturday, my house is probably going to be a mess. Your week is all scattered all over your home. You're not in real clothes and somebody knocks at your door. What do you do first? Do you look for real clothes? Do you throw everything in a closet? Luckily for me, my junk closet is in the back of my living room. And so that makes for a quick stash. Um, But for me, it is straightening my pillows. It drives me nuts when my kids flop all over my couch pillows because the couch is the first thing that you see when you walk in my house. And I've got really big, cute couch pillows and they wallow all over them and they are never stacked the right way. My house can be clean or it can be a complete disaster. And for whatever reason, if I have my pillows straight, I feel like my house looks better. I'm more comfortable with people coming inside if my pillows are straight. But that is not always a real reflection of what the rest, rest of the inside of my house looks like. If you ask my kids, 
when I ask them, now what would Jesus want us to do? If somebody is mean to them or if they are being greedy and not wanting to share with each other or if they are telling lies and stories, what would Jesus want y'all to do? Now let's think about this. They can always give me very quickly and without much thought the right answers. They w- Jesus would not want us to be mean back. He would want us to share. Jesus wants us to tell the truth. But just because we know the right answers doesn't mean that we live them. The Bible teaches redemption, but culture, especially church culture, teaches us things like commandments and religion. And there's three big places in scripture that I want to kind of talk about. Um, There's Adam and Eve. We all know where sin started in the garden. Eve ate of the fruit, gave the fruit to Adam, and all of a sudden there was the fall. Then came Jesus, born of a virgin, placed in a manger because there was no room. And then Jesus died on the cross to forgive us for our sins and rose from the dead three days later. We know the sin story, we know the Christmas story, we know the Easter story. Christian or not, most everybody has had exposure to those three places in Scripture because of the season. We know those stories, but do we really honestly make room for those things in our lives, in our hearts. At this event, um, I bribed my 12-year-old to come on stage and juggle some things for me. She's athletic, so I thought she would do a better job than she did, but she didn't. Um, But I gave her one balloon after another, and I started small. I started with the things that we all try to keep and manage, like the house, or the marriage, or the kids, or give you another kid. And I'm steadily giving her these balloons, and she's trying to keep them all in the air without any help. And she is already struggling with just a house, two kids, and a marriage, and I feel that, have felt that on a very real level, but then we start adding in other things like career, school, activities, and then we move from confetti balloons to just balloons like adultery, lies, Greed, a past, substance abuse, marital problems, money problems, overspending, and things got difficult really quickly. And before I could even pass her all of the bad balloons, she was only holding one in the air. But we still try to do it all. We still try to manage it all. We still try to keep 
the image up. We don't want things to fall out of the places that we stuff them in because if people know that we have problems, they might think differently of us, especially if we are Christians. If we are Christians, that means that everything is good in our lives because we are hashtag blessed. But that is not how Jesus intended it. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Matthew 9, 12 and 13. These words are read in the Bible. These are words straight from Jesus' mouth. Just consider that for a second. I want to run some things down in scripture and I wish that I could take the time to fully flesh it out but in an attempt to keep you listening to hear the overarching message I will cut it short in Genesis 3 let's go back to the fall that story that we all know we know it right we know that Eve ate the fruit gave it to Adam and then the rest of us were damned. That's the story that we know. It says she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband and he ate. And then their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made a covering. Genesis 3. Go, go to Genesis 3 and look at the details. So they sewed fig leaves together and made a covering, a patch. They hid it. Their first instinct to their sin, their nakedness, their faults were to cover so it would not be exposed, so people would not see it. They used fig leaves. Fig leaves. Pulled off of a tree and sawn together. I don't know how long plants in the dirt make it at your house, but even potted plants only live a couple of days at my house. Imagine pulling a leaf off of a tree and sewing it together. How temporary. And how familiar is that? When something goes awry in our lives, when we have done something that we should not have done, if we, not even us, if somebody that we love have done something, maybe we've got a child that's got an addiction or a husband that has a pornography problem or maybe our spouse is overspending or we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and we really only have $36 until the next payday. 
and what we we cover that up we put a patch on it i am infuriated with my spouse but let us take a picture and put it on social media and say hashtag my best friend so people won't know maybe if i say that we're best friends people won't assume that really we haven't spoken in three or four days And then at the end of the chapter, in Genesis chapter 3, it says, And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. From the very, very, very beginning, we were messing up. We were covering it up. And God was still seeking to provide a way away from shame, away from nakedness, a covering for our sin, even in the beginning. Let's go to the law. In Exodus 20 through 25, you see Moses gets the Ten Commandments, and then there's all these other laws that follow. And we see those posted in public places or on view in a church. We talk about the Ten Commandments. Some of us can even recite some of them. You know, honor your mother and father. Don't commit adultery. Do not covet. This was not to help us. This was to show us how we could absolutely never, ever measure up. Until the Ten Commandments, there was no set standard. There was no writing of good and bad, right and wrong, until the Ten Commandments. And then there was this perfect standard that we were not capable of measuring up to. And we know this because in chapter 26, immediately, immediately, right after the Ten Commandments were given, immediately following the law, the scripture says, Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle. Moreover, moreover, more importantly, The tabernacle was the way to make atonement for sin. The high priest would go in after very, very strict, very ritualistic cleansing and would go into the Holy of Holies and would make atonement for sin annually. Why? Why every year did we have to go and make atonement? Because this sacrifice, just like the fig leaf, was only temporary. If God is so good, why does there have to be blood? Why does there have to be blood over and over? God is good and he is holy and he is perfect and he is separate and he is 
just. This means that he cannot be associated with sinners and he desires to know us. We are sinners. And I don't know where where we miss this. After we come to Christ, we still get, you have not arrived when you have said the sinner's prayer. I'm sorry. You never arrive. You are never perfect on this side. And we have it in our our minds that there are sinners and there are Christians, and that is wrong. We have sinners, we have sinner sinners, and we have saved sinners that are still sinners, that still fall short, that still don't meet the mark, that still do not measure up. We have not arrived. We are not good. We do not get it right. And we continually and continually and continually try to stuff and hide our problems and our sin and all of the things that God expected to bring him glory. We take away the gospel when we hide the things that grace is covered. His love cannot mute his justice. And so there came Jesus. Here comes Easter to stand in the gap, perfect, sinless, without fault, suffered and died a death that you and I should have died. One that he did not deserve so we would not have to pay the price. So we would not have to keep the balloons in the air. Keep everything afloat. The veil was torn. The old way removed when Christ died on the cross. Let's go back to that scripture. It says, go and learn what this means. Sacrifice. Sacrifice is not something that will get us there. Mercy gets us there. It is Christ. It doesn't matter what you give up, what you don't do, how well you are behaved. It does not matter. Christ matters. There is nothing you can do good that will make Christ love you more. There is nothing you can do bad that will make Christ love you less. He loves you, but there had to be a sacrifice. Mercy not giving someone what they deserve. Go and learn what this means. It is not sacrifice that I desire. It is mercy. It is the perfect sacrifice. So Jesus has come to stand in our place and to give us access, immediate access to God if we so choose. 
is Christ. We cannot people please our way into God's presence. None of the casseroles we bake at church are going to get us there. None of the pretty Facebook posts that we make are going to get us there. Or the fake smile. It is not going to bring you redemption. will get you into the presence of God. Scripture will not get you there. Church attendance will not get you there. The pew that we sit on every Sunday, every Wednesday, and any other day of the week that they open the doors will not get us there. Jesus gets us there. Surrender gets us there. The altar, the altar is what gets us there. To make room. Let's go back to those definitions. To make room. To make room for someone to pass through. I want you to consider for a second the change that was made in your life secondary to your salvation. When you prayed the prayer or made the walk down the aisle so the pastor could pray the prayer for you, I want you to go back and I want you to tell me what that changed in your life. To make room. For what? Is God just passing through? Were you completely overwhelmed with the Spirit of God? Did you cry? Did your heart beat 180 beats a minute and you knew that this time was your time and you walked down and you had a good emotional moment with God? And then nothing changed in your life. Do you hurt for the things that you do? Do you hurt for the things that other people do? Or to rearrange, reorganize, reprioritize was there an exchange? Did you wake up one person and go to bed the next? Did you feel different when you read the Bible? Did you find yourself uncomfortable in the things that were normal to you before? Was there an exchange? Because make no mistake, it is very, very, very clear in Scripture that there is a death. It says, take off your old self, put on your new self. All throughout the New Testament, It tells you that there is an exchange. 
people struggle so bad to do the right things and say the right things and perform the right way and to keep all of those balloons in the air and it's because they are trying to do it on their own. Surrender. Have we put our yes on the table or have we come to the altar in prayer in our own expectation of what God is going to do with this. I prayed diligently during that time of fasting that God would heal my mom. Having no idea that that would mean a heavenly healing. There are other things that I prayed for over the year. Things that I clearly heard God's yes for. I waited and I waited and I got confirmation in scripture and then I pursued things. And he gave me just what I needed and nothing more. But I had placed my own expectations on the way that I thought that God would perform in the prayers of my life. And he provided. He showed up for me in ways that I cannot even tell you that he showed up for me. But they are not the ways that I had anticipated. And so I just want to ask you, as you are trying to keep everything in the air, are you waiting on God to do what you said? Or have you asked God to guide you? Surrender gets us there. God will move in our lives. But he came for the sinner, not the righteous, not the one that has it all together, not the one that everybody wants to be or be friends with. He came for the lowly, the sick, the sinner. To use your testimony and your failures and your sin to help save other sinners, other souls. We have to make room. We have to set our comfortability aside. We have got to set our pride aside and invite people into the messes that are in our lives so that they can see how God is good in the valley, not on, not on the mountain. Pretending we will never heal from pretending. We have got to stop stuffing our problems and hiding behind false narratives and stop pretending that things are good when they are not. We have got to stop 
sitting. We have got to normalize the altar. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but the Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. Romans two twenty-eight and 29. Knowing does not equal living. And sometimes, even if it appears that we are living, does not always mean that we know. That is terrifying. The first time that I read that scripture in Matthew 7, where it says, away from me, away from me, I never knew you. And you hear the people say, what do you mean? I prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name. God, I did all of these things for you. What do you mean you don't know me? You remember me? Katie, I sat on the third pew, three people from the left every Sunday, except for that time somebody sat in my seat, and then I sat on the row behind them. You know me. I had the ministry. I wrote. I went and spoke at events. I had a podcast. You know me. Don't you? I never knew you. Because just because you do does not mean that you know. And even when we know the right answers, sometimes that still doesn't mean that we do the right things. But where is our heart? That is the commonality there. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Is it positioned and postured toward surrender and transparency and healing? Are you willing to invite somebody else in and give God glory? God cannot heal what we will not touch. We can continue in that messy marriage We can continue with sleeping with someone else's husband. We can continue swiping that credit card. And as long as we don't say, hey, God, have this. Hey, God, use this. Hey, God, what am I going to do with this? What help me, God? You will never heal. You might put a temporary patch on it. A lie. You might not even have to. It might be that nobody knows but you. And it will always just be you and you. He cannot heal what we hide. And he will not, he will not heal what we are not sorry for. Think about that. Don't lay down every night and say, Dear God, thank you for the day that you've given me today. I pray that you forgive me for my sins. Bless my family. Amen. And you don't even know what what you're asking for. Are you asking for forgiveness because you set your cruise on 60 when the speed limit was 55, what what are you sorry for? What do you need forgiveness for? 
sin should hurt our hearts. And the more that we go closer to God, we get closer to God, we can feel those convictions and we are asked to turn from them. A postured heart does not mean that we get to do and act as freely as we would like to. But when God can capture your heart, he will change your habits. You don't have to work. You don't have to keep things afloat. You don't have to keep bouncing balloon after balloon after balloon because the sanctifying work of Christ on the cross does the work for you in your life. You just have to say yes. Yes, God, I will. Yes, God, please. Yes, God, take this. But we don't do that. We say, yeah, but no, I'll keep this. Here, God, have this diagnosis, but let me keep my marriage. God, have, have this decision at work, but let me keep all of my money. God, here, here, do with this addiction what you, what you please, God, but, but don't touch this other part of me. And God desires all of us have we made room have we prepared are the pillows straight I know what it's like to sit in a church on Sunday and fill a tug at the altar and not be able to move I know how hard it is to face the messes in our lives to let our walls down because of all of the trauma that I experienced uh, as a child and and growing up I I swear I, I would swear to you that up until I met Christ I would say that anger probably fueled me and help me get to the place that I was so God could really just break me apart. Because I had to take care of me. It, it was obvious to me that, that I had been hurt. And there are things that happened to me as a child that shouldn't have happened to me as a child. And I've experienced grief in ways that I still don't understand. And... So I built wall after wall after wall and letting God tear those things down was exceptionally difficult. But just for a moment, if you are not honest with anybody else, if you cannot give God your yes, can you just be honest with you? What has got you exhausted? Room to pass through or make real room? I'm going to share one more thing. And since we cannot have an altar call, I will just invite you to a place of prayer.
God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. God does not have to discover information, nor does he lack information. And so right now, this very moment, whether you hear this today or a year from now, you are fully exposed before God in your sin, just as I am fully exposed before God in my own. The things we are open about and the ones that we are in total denial over are fully exposed. We are naked. We are the beginning. And we are still falling. That did not stop in Genesis 3. We are still falling. We are still right there in the beginning. Pulling leaves and trying to patch our lives. Completely independent of God, but saying that we love him. We are falling. But we do not have to keep sitting. Where there is no sickness. What did that scripture say? He came to heal the sick. Where there is no sickness, there is no healing. You cannot continue to believe that things are okay, but still pray for God to make them okay. Which is it? Are you hurt or are you not hurt? Where there is no error, there is no blood. When we decide that we have it all together, we have completely dismissed the work of Christ on the cross. Because that is us saying, uh, thanks, but we don't need that. Hashtag my best friend. I'll share my social media with God, but I will not share my problems. When there is nothing to cover, there is nothing to save. Christ did not die for our shortcomings so we could conceal them. So that no one could see the work of God in our lives. Christ died to save us from ourselves. To tear the veil in order to have fellowship with us and to know us. And to use us to bring more people to his feet. So let's consider for just one second that you decided that you were going to keep your yes to you. What if somebody else's salvation solely depended on your obedience, on your yes? It's okay for you to miss out on X, Y, and Z because you don't want to be obedient. But is your disobedience 
okay when it sends somebody else to hell because you were their only ticket to experience the gospel. When I first got saved, I thought that God told me that things were going to get better. And I have a very radical salvation story and some people don't have that and I'm glad that you don't I'm thankful that you did not have to experience God in the way that I did the night that I was saved but he told me that things were going to be better and that he was going to use me and six months later when things didn't look better God and I had a talk a loud one It has not been pretty. I would argue that out of all of the things that I've lived through in my life, my time with Christ has been the hardest years of my life, but they have also been the best because he has stretched me and searched me in ways that I cannot imagine And as I continue to say yes, I know that that is saying yes to something else that hurts. Because I am healing. Because I'm healing. I know that I'm saying yes to something else that hurts. And I am okay with that. To God be the glory because he is making me into somebody else. Dear Heavenly Father, Even now, sitting in the center of my bed on a normal Sunday, I feel your presence and I thank you for that. I pray that this message meets the heart that you intended it for. God, I pray that we would understand just how foolish it is for us to try to hold things out of your reach, God. I pray that we would put our yes on the table, that we would realize that partial obedience, God, is disobedience, and that we would be good, that we would be broken, And willing to share the work that you have done in our lives with others so that they may too experience your goodness, Father. I pray that we make room. Not room for you to pass through, God, but for you to sit and to say and to grow and to stretch. Thank you, God, for... Oh, he's making a way. 
even before you made the absolute perfect sacrifice, God, you still made a way for us. Thank you, God, for forgiveness. Thank you, God, for you. Amen. Love you guys. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe and meet us here again. Or head on over to Katie's website, messandmercy.com, to find more encouragement like free devotionals, Bible studies, and the blog. Thank you for tuning in to the Mess and Mercy podcast. We hope to see you again.